0: Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to focus on one verse of Scripture this morning. That verse is included in the notes in your bulletin, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Some of the most famous missionaries of history years ago had what was a very interesting tradition. They called it packing your coffin. Before the first flight, before the time of modern airfare, these missionaries would travel by boat, and it would take months to get to their mission's destination. And so as they were preparing to leave, they took all of their possessions, and instead of packing them in suitcases, they literally packed them in a coffin and shipped that coffin with them on their way to their destination. They shipped their coffin because they knew that theirs was a one-way journey they knew that when they said goodbye to their parents, to their siblings, to their friends, that they would not see them again in this life because they intended to remain in that field where God had called them and preach the gospel there for the rest of their lives. They knew that they would eventually one day die on that field and literally be buried in that coffin. And so that coffin became A symbol of their dedication, not only to the Lord, but their commitment to the mission. One man named Peter Mill was a missionary who literally. his coffin. God called him to preach the gospel to some unreached peoples in islands in what is currently the modern day nation of Vanuatu. If you don't know where Vanuatu is, don't beat yourself up. It's a small nation to the east of Australia. But when Peter Mill was going to preach the gospel to those peoples in Vanuatu, several missionaries had already gone and tried to do just that. All of them, however, were martyred for preaching the gospel. Nevertheless, Peter Mill was still willing to pack his coffin. He traveled to Vanuatu, and there the Lord blessed him with much fruit. Unlike those before him, he was able to establish his ministry. He preached for half a century, and there he died. He was literally buried in that coffin that he had sent 50 years earlier. When he died, the tribe that buried him wrote the following words on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. What a beautiful testimony What a beautiful thing to say about a man's life. Well, today is Mission Sunday, and there's one verse in particular we're going to focus on to help us to understand the mission that has been given to us. Now, the context of this verse is a story that many of you know very well. Jesus traveled to a town called Jericho, and there in Jericho was a tax collector named Zacchaeus. And if you heard this story as a child growing up, if you sang the children's song, you know that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Zacchaeus desperately wanted to see Jesus, but he was very short. He could not see Jesus above the multitudes who crowded around him. So the Bible says that Zacchaeus climbed up in a sycamore tree so that he could look down on the Lord when he passed by, but Jesus did something that absolutely surprised him. Jesus walked to that tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down from that tree because I'm having dinner at your house tonight. Now today, that might seem a little bit presumptuous. But in that day and in that time, Jesus was actually bestowing a very high honor on that man. Jesus met and he dined with Zacchaeus. That day, Zacchaeus became a follower of Jesus. He was gloriously saved. The people should have been celebrating, but the Bible says many of the people were not happy. They were upset because Jesus befriended a tax collector. And tax collectors were among the most despised people in that society at that time. And so in our one verse this morning, Jesus responded to his critics, and this is what he said, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In that one statement, Jesus summarized the mission that the Father had given to him and the mission that has been now given to us. This mission is so simple, and yet it is so easy for us to completely miss it. Now, there are three facets of this mission that I want us to see in this one verse that will help us. First of all, I want you to notice an example we must follow. An example we must follow. Jesus said at the beginning of that verse, for the Son of Man, Jesus commonly referred to himself as the Son of Man to emphasize that he not only was fully divine, the Son of God, but he was also fully man. He said, the Son of Man has come. You see, Jesus told Zacchaeus to come down from that tree, but the only reason why Zacchaeus could come down from his sycamore tree is because Jesus first came down from heaven to earth. And please don't miss this. Jesus came because he was sent. This is a point that it seems we don't talk about often enough, but it is repeated over and over again in the New Testament and especially in the Gospels. In fact, did you know how many times in the Gospels Jesus referred to his Father as him who sent me? Do you know how many times? Forty times, I counted personally, 40 times in the gospel, Jesus used that title for his heavenly father. In fact, I'm not 100% certain, but I believe that this might be the title Jesus used for the father more than any other title. Think about how significant that is. And I want to give you just a few examples so that we can begin to understand how prominent this theme is in the Gospels and what it means to us. John 6, 38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not only to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. For Jesus to be sent by the father meant that he had to do things in the flesh that he did not want to do that was part of the mission that jesus accepted when he was sent we see in john twelve forty nine, jesus said for i have not spoken on my own authority but the father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. Jesus was sent with a message. And notice what he said. This was not his message. He said, I have been sent to proclaim the message that was given to me by my Father. Notice what that message is. Luke four forty-three. Jesus said i must preach the kingdom of god to the other cities also because for this purpose i have been sent jesus was sent for the purpose of proclaiming a message not just any message but it was the message of the kingdom of God the message that the door to the kingdom of God has been made open through Jesus Christ for whosoever will believe upon him and will be saved by grace through faith in him 1 John 4:14 4, says and we have seen and testify that the father has sent the Son, as Savior of the world. Someone might ask, well, Pastor, how important is it that we understand? How important is it that we believe that Jesus was sent by the Father? Does it matter? Oh, you bet it does. Listen to what Jesus said in John 17, 3. Jesus was praying to the Father, and he says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Mark nine thirty seven. whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. We receive the Father, Jesus said, by believing that he sent the Son to the world to save us. John 17, verse 18, Jesus prayed and he said, "'As you sent me into the world, "'I have also sent them into the world.'" And in John chapter 20, verse 21, one more, Jesus said, "'As the Father has sent me, "'I also send you.'" In these last two verses, Jesus draws a line. He makes a connection between the Father sending Jesus and Jesus sending us. We have to understand these are connected. You cannot separate them. And Jesus said, one should lead to the other. The only reason why we can know Christ The only reason why we can enjoy the benefits and the blessings of salvation is because Jesus was sent, and he was willing to be sent. He was willing to accept the mission that his Father gave him. And I'm not so sure that the majority of Christians really grasp this. Sure, we may understand this intellectually, but I'm not so sure that we feel the weight of this or understand just how prominent this theme is in the Word of God and why it is so important. Because Jesus was sent by the Father, this means that every follower of Christ has also been sent. This does not mean that God will call everyone to literally, physically, pack their bags or their coffin and move to another country to preach the gospel in a faraway place. But it does mean that every born-again child of God is part of this sending process. Some are called to go. And my prayer is that even now God is moving some of you to go out to the nations. Some are called to go. Some are called to make it possible for others to go. We're all called to pray. We can all give, but we all have a role. We all have a part to play. And because the Father sent the Son, that means that we cannot fulfill God's mission for our lives unless we are playing our part in this sending process. We have an adopted missionary in the Middle East, and we've been praying for her for almost two decades for security reasons. I'm not going to say her name right now, but you know who she is. A number of years ago, she stood in this very spot, and she gave a testimony, and I'll never forget what she said. She stood right here, and she said to us, sometimes we pray and say, God, show me if you're calling me to go she said that's the wrong prayer god's already told us to go in the great commission go and make disciples of all nations she said rather than praying and saying god show me if you want me to go we should pray and say god show me if you want me to stay I think in light of everything that we've seen about Jesus being sent and how we have been sent, I think that's the more appropriate prayer. And so if we're going to understand this mission that has been given to us, there's an example that we must follow. Jesus was sent and now he has sent us. But then there's something else I want you to see. There is a search we must employ. And you notice in the second part of that verse, to seek and to save. That's why Jesus left heaven's glory for Bethlehem's manger. He came not to set a good moral example for us, although he certainly did that. He didn't come to to teach us how to live our lives, although, yes, sure, he, he certainly did that as well. He came to seek and to save. Simply put, Jesus came to save sinners because sinners cannot save themselves. We need a Savior. We need someone who lived the life that we should have lived, who died the death that we deserve to die, someone who conquered the grave when he rose again. Jesus said that he came to save, but notice that other word, He said he came to seek and to save, that there's some seeking that had to take place. That was true then, and that's true now. That word seek in the Greek, it's actually a, a very strong word. It means to look for something, but with great effort. And just as an example, you remember that story when Jesus was 12 years old And Joseph and Mary forgot him in the temple. Boy, isn't that embarrassing? The Bible says that for three days they sought him. Let me ask you a question. If you've got a child and you've lost them and you don't know where they are and minutes turn into hours and hours turn into days, let me ask you a question. Just how hard are you going to be searching for them? Are you going to casually look for them if you don't have anything else to do? No. Searching for that one child who's lost, that's going to be your highest priority. And you will spare no cost. You will do whatever it takes. No stone will be unturned until you seek them and you find them. This is the kind of seeking that Jesus is talking about in verse 10. And now Jesus' mission is our mission but we must seek and that means going where they are wherever they are that means that the search becomes our highest priority and folks this mission is going to cost us this mission that christ has given to us it's going to be hard Now, how hard is it? Right now, there are still over 3,000-some unreached, unengaged people groups in the world. When we talk about people groups, that means uh, ethnic groups of people who live in the same place, who speak the same language, who celebrate the same traditions and the same cultures, who normally eat the same food. When we say that they are unreached people groups... Uh, This means that there are very few followers of Jesus Christ. Less than 2% of them know Christ. And when we say that these are unengaged people groups, that means as far as we know, there is not a single church that is preaching the gospel there. There is not a single missionary who is preaching the gospel there. They are unreached and unengaged. And you might be wondering pastor, come on. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus came and died and rose again. After 2,000 years, how can there be so many unreached, unengaged people, groups in the world with all of the, the, the believers, millions upon millions of believers? How can there still be so many who have not yet heard the good news of the gospel of Christ? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's really, really Hard. How hard is it for us to reach just one of those unreached, unengaged people groups in the world? You know what has to happen? Just to reach one of them, someone has to accept the call and give up years of their life in training and preparation. They got to learn the Bible so that they can preach it faithfully they got to learn about missions. They've got to, to learn the language of the people group that, uh, to whom they're going to preach. Many times it's not even a common language. Many times it's oral. It's not even written. But they've got to learn that language. Many times they have to give up a lifetime of comforts. Listen to me. Not just a week or two weeks. They've got to give up a lifetime of comforts in order to accept many dangers and many risks. They have to, many times, give up any dreams they might have of ever getting married and having a family. And they have to do all of that knowing that after they've done it, that people group that they're trying to reach for Christ, they might be very resistant. They might even be violent. They might go and work and labor for decades before they see their very first convert. Oh, and by the way, they're going to need someone to financially support them while they're doing all of the above. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why in the year 2021, there are still, to this day, thousands of unreached and unengaged people groups because it is hard And yet, let me remind you of the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 24, verse 14, he said, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. The Greek is ethne or people groups. It'll be preached to all the ethne, the people groups, and then the end will come. Do you realize Jesus gave us his personal promise that this will happen? No matter how hard it is, it will happen. The job will get done. Every one of these people groups will hear the gospel and some will praise the name of Jesus before he returns but it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be dangerous. It's going to be costly, and it's going to be wearisome. But let me tell you something. It is going to be worth it. It's always worth it. It breaks my heart what I see so many times in so many churches. There's just not an emphasis on missions or, even worse, there's this assumption that if it's dangerous, if it's difficult, God must not be calling us to do it, as if God only calls us to the safe places. There is an author by the name of Mark Batterson, and he wrote a book called All In. And he talked about this assumption. And, you know, he actually said it much better than I ever could, so let me read to you what he said about this. Quote, "...when..." Did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things? When did we decide that faithfulness means holding the fort and keeping it safe? He said, Jesus didn't die to make us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. Faithfulness is storming the gates of hell. And then he concluded with this. He said, it's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. To that I would add a thousand amens. If we're going to carry out this mission, there's an example for us to follow. And there's a search we must employ. But then I also want you to notice an urgency we must see. Notice the end of that statement that Jesus made in verse 10. That which was lost. Jesus didn't come to make good people better because we're not good. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's the word Jesus used. It didn't originate with me. I realize that is very, very offensive to the society in which we live to refer to someone as lost But that's the word that Jesus used here and again in order to describe those who do not know him. Now, a person who is lost generally does not know where they are. They're called lost because they do not know where they are going. In this case, Jesus refers to them as lost because they do not know where they are in relationship to God, they do not know that they are separated from God by sin. They do not know where they are going spiritually, whether they're going to heaven or hell, or how they can know that they are indeed going to heaven and not hell. And if, according to Jesus, those who do not know him are lost, what does that mean? That means this mission is urgent. It's urgent that we do all that we can do and give all that we can give and go as often as we can go and tell as many as we can tell until the whole world hears. Because the mission is urgent, we must pack our coffin, if not literally, spiritually. I want to close this message just by sharing with you some good news. Right now, in 2021, we are seeing the results all over the world today. The results of those men who years ago, centuries ago, quite literally packed their coffin to go and preach the gospel in a faraway place. I wish I had time to share with you all of the stories of what's happening in the world today. Let me just give you a couple of quick examples. At the beginning of the 20th century, there were less than 2,000 believers in Indonesia. Do you realize that today there are 28 Million followers of Jesus Christ in Indonesia. And you know how that's happening? That's happening today because there were men like John Patton who were willing to literally pack their coffin and go to Indonesia back in 1840. At the beginning of the 20th century, there were about 1 million followers of Jesus Christ in India. India will very soon be the nation with the largest population in the world, surpassing that of China. And Christianity is by far growing the fastest today. There are 71 million followers of Christ in India. Do you realize why that is happening? That is happening because years ago, heroes of the faith like William Carey in 1852 and Adoniram Judson back in 1812 were willing to literally pack their coffins and go. When we think about the expansion of the gospel, of course, we think about China. There were fewer than a million followers of Christ in China at the beginning of the 20th century. And yet today, There are more than 100 million followers of Christ. Did you realize that today, right now, there are more people in China who would identify themselves as having been born again than there are in the United States? Decades ago, no one would have thought that was even possible And yet, it has happened, and it is happening. It's happening because men like Hudson Taylor in 1853 and Lottie Moon, our own Lottie Moon, in 1873 were willing, in some cases, to literally pack their coffin. I'm a little partial towards Cuba. I've been 10 times. You realize there's about half a million followers of Christ in Cuba now. Why is that? Because in the 19th century... Men like my cousin, Moses McCall, were willing to go and pack their coffins to preach the gospel there. And of course, we think about Africa. At the beginning of the 20th century, there were only 9 million Christians on the entire continent. Today, in the year 2021, there are about 631 million followers of Jesus Christ. How is that so? Because years ago, men like David Livingston and many others were willing to quite literally pack their coffins and go. And so, I ask you this question. Are you willing this morning to pack your coffin? Maybe not literally, but spiritually. Are you willing to pack your coffin? Are you willing to say, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me. I'll go wherever you send me. I'll give whatever you ordered me to give. I'll, I'll pray as much as I could pray. God, I'll do my part. Are you willing today to pack your coffin? Years ago, there was another missionary named J.W. Tucker who was a missionary and was martyred in 1964. He was killed by Congolese rebels. And he knew before he took on that assignment, it was a difficult place. He knew that there was a lot of risk. In fact, before he left for his assignment, one of his friends said to J.W. Tucker, Jay, if you go, you will not return. To which J.W. Tucker said, God hasn't called me to return. He's only called me to go. Those are the words of a man who in his heart packed his coffin And I pray that would be our attitude today as well. Join me as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You again that Jesus accepted the mission that You gave to Him and that from the moment He was born, He was born in the shadow of the cross, He knew that one day That mission would lead him to Calvary, where there he would suffer and die for us. But he did it anyway. And so, Father, we thank you. We know that maybe there are some here today who don't have to be on the other side of the world in order to be lost. One can be lost right here in Homestead. Maybe there's that man or that woman who this day needs to confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their lives. And God, I I pray for them now that this would be that day that they receive this free gift that you have offered to us through Jesus, through his death and his burial and his resurrection. This would be their day of surrender when they say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you died for me. And therefore, I will follow you. God, would you knock on the door of hearts right now? And would you just draw men and women to yourself? If there's even one here today or watching online who needs to come to Christ and be saved. But God, would you help us as well that we would also see our part, whatever it may be, in this sending process that as Jesus was sent, we have now been sent. And we all have a part to play. Help us to see and know what our role is and help us to be faithful. We do pray again that you would call out some from this church who would go to the hard, faraway places where Christ has not yet been named. And we thank you for what you're going to do. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.